Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sustainability Street podcast, hosted by Crowbury Consulting Limited. My name is Becky Toll, owner manager of Crowbury Consulting, and today's podcast is going to be all about calculating a carbon footprint for your business. Um, now, carbon footprints have been around for quite a while, uh, at least 20, sort of 25 years. Um, and the interest really in calculating them and, and getting the sort of calculators correct is becoming more and more prominent. So in this podcast, I'm going to explain to you well, what is a carbon footprint, first of all. Uh, why would we bother calculating one? What are the drivers, features and benefits? how to calculate a basic carbon footprint and the sort of five steps to take, which include defining your methodology for the footprint, specifying your boundaries and scope of coverage for the footprint, go off and collect that data uh, for the footprint, verifying the results, uh, if you like, with an independent uh, carbon footprint audit, and then disclosing your footprint through publishing that either through a sort of CSR report, sustainability report, or maybe just put in your carbon footprint onto your website. So let's start with why should we, as a, as a owner of a business or a business uh, environmental manager, sustainability manager, look at calculating um, our carbon footprint? And there's, there's really two reasons for calculating a carbon footprint. One is to manage what your footprint is and reduce your greenhouse gas emissions over time. And the second is to have a carbon footprint reported accurately and published uh, via a third party. So calculating the the business carbon footprint is a tool effectively to look at your energy and environmental management uh, for the various processes that you may have. Um, And it requires that you understand and quantify the key emission sources, um, which are your your gas, your electricity, on-site fuel consumption, transport. Um, And once you've quantified those greenhouse gas emissions, including carbon emissions, there will then be a sort of self-reflective exercise to look at reduction and how can we identify and prioritise and focus our minds on the greatest areas of potential savings. Now, if you save um, on your electricity and gas bill, most people would be happy with that. Uh, but also if you save um, on your transport and your fuel use, people will be incredibly happy with that. So reduction means cost savings, but it also does mean emissions savings as well, which is uh, a win-win-win. When we get to the end of this session in terms of you know reporting and verification, um, you know, there's some. There's a lot of companies now that, for for legislative and compliance reasons, have to put out a sustainability report for CSR and shareholder value, um, i.e., annual sustainability reports. And also, there's an explosion of ESG investors, social responsible investment, uh, banking, sustainable finance as well. And one of the key questions that you might be asked is, well, for us to invest in you, we need to know what your carbon footprint is. Um, So that's another good reason to invest a little bit of time um, putting processes together to help you work out your carbon footprint. And another good reason why is to understand your current level of greenhouse gas emissions um, so that you can look at 
potentially offsetting um, those emissions to work towards being a carbon neutral business or carbon neutral organisation. So there's many, many reasons um, why you would want to calculate your carbon footprint in the first place. So let's have a look at the basic approach um, to creating a carbon footprint. So this is relatively straightforward and a basic carbon footprint typically looks at those direct emissions, um, emissions from things like your electricity and gas, uh, simplest to manage, but it does exclude what we call indirect emissions. Um, so if you're a typical sort of service-based business, you switch the lights on, you switch the computers on, you might just have electricity and you might not have any gas at all. Um, but you may have one or two uh, business cars, so cars that are bought by the business for the managers to drive around in. So that's transport, which you own, and the fuel use um, if you use petrol or diesel, if you've not got um, electric charged cars. So those kind of very simple, very quick, direct emissions Look at your electricity bill, look at your uh, transport usage. And that would be effectively a basic level of data that you would collect from either the bill bill data or the utility meters um, or the distances travelled by your organisation's vehicles. Now, how do we get from this raw data to working out greenhouse gas uh, emissions or CO2 equivalent emissions, we use something called conversion factors. Now, conversion factors, again, have been around for about 20 years. Uh, so this is nothing new. Um, and year on year, these conversion factors get updated um, because technology changes, end of pipe solutions change. We get better and better at new technologies and better and better at putting less uh, nasty pollutants into the atmosphere. So in the United Kingdom, um, we have an organisation called DEFRA who um, produce the Greenhouse Gas Emissions Calculator, which is a massive Excel spreadsheet. So if you like Excel, you will enjoy calculating carbon footprints. Um, and there's lots of tabs on there um, which will help you when you come to put your electricity bill data in. You put that in in kilowatts and you press the go button and it spits out what the greenhouse gas emission is. So most of the hard work has been done already for you and calculating a basic carbon footprint is typically um, straightforward, but it does exclude sources of indirect emissions for which you cannot control. For example, emissions from waste from your supply chain uh, or employee travel or going on the bus or taking a taxi, public transport, airlines, etc. So if, if that's all you want to do, um, put together a kind of basic footprint, if that's what you've been asked for, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, however, the legislative pressure now um, in the United Kingdom is, is forcing people to look beyond basic carbon footprint. Um, we have what's called net carbon zero by 2050, which is a legislative target. A lot of big corporates have looked at that and gone 2050. That's way too late. Uh, we need to be moving quicker and faster to net carbon zero. So what we're seeing now um, and, you know, the, the date at the moment is just before Christmas. Uh, the year is 2020. A lot of corporates are looking at 2030, which is 10 years down the line to achieve what we call net carbon zero. And some of them already have and have retrospectively hoovered up um, their emissions going back to sort of 2005. 
So in terms of a full uh, carbon footprint, moving on from the basic carbon footprint, let's have a look at those five steps um, and the detailed approach, which may or may not require you to use a consultant. You might be fine. You might be able to do it all yourself, get the Excel spreadsheet, put the numbers in, apply the factors, off you go. So defining the methodology, okay? For a footprint to be accurate, there needs to be a consistent approach, which is why it's important to define your method from the outset. This also ensures when issues arise, they can be dealt with. And a consistent method is particularly important for those larger corporates and our listeners, which might be listening, that work in large corporates, um, which rely on lots of people to go off uh, and collect the data and interpret the data. So if you've got a complex business with many sites, many suppliers, um, this is where data control and data analysis really comes into its own, if you like. Um, so you've got to define your approach to carbon footprinting um, and, and so that the results are seen as credible and can be compared with other organisations using the same method. Um, and again, linking this back to ESG, social responsible investment, um, you know, having a comparable method, apples with apples, not apples with bananas, is vital because, you know, if people are going to invest money and buy shares in your organisation, then they need to know that your carbon footprint data can be trusted. So let's have a look at the method, the methodology. So we have um, something out there called the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, which was produced by the World Resources Institute, which is WRI um, for short, and the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. So the GHG Protocol is kind of like the Bible, if you like, um, for the methodology um, of reporting on corporate missions worldwide. Now, you can download that uh, from the ghgprotocol.org website. Um, there's also international standards, um, as always, uh, and we'll talk a lot in these podcasts about international standards, and it's the ISO 14064, uh, which is guidance from a corporate uh, footprint calculation and emissions reporting which builds upon the GHG protocol and more. So you can visit iso.org, um, that's iso.org for the 14064, and www.ghgprotocol.org for the GHG protocol methodology. Um, now, it's really important that you, you take the methodology bit seriously uh, because everything then flows from that. So let's move on to number two, specifying your boundary and scope of coverage. Um, as with anything, you need to be really clear about which set of emissions you will quantify. This is often referred to as your boundary and common things that can crop up uh, to kind of throw you off course is how we treat and deal with emissions which are wholly or partially owned by subsidiaries if, if you're a large corporate with other businesses, and treatment of emissions from leased assets, uh, such as a van, which is leased from a higher company. Um, so again, it's usual to take some time, sit down and define your boundaries and include the full range of emissions that you as a business can control directly. And as this is likely to include some of those subsidiaries and potentially those leased assets as well. So going back to the GHG protocol, 
there are established rules for the allocation of emissions to your organisation. So once you've looked at the sort of scope and boundaries of your carbon footprint, um, you might start to ask questions about types of emissions and you might start to think, well, hang on a minute, do we include carbon dioxide only or do we look at the other greenhouse gases, the SOx, NOx, VOx, methane, etc.? Do we look at direct emissions from our fuel use on site and also from transport? Do we include direct emissions from the manufacturing processes on site? Do we include emissions from the electricity the organisation has purchased? What do we do with emissions from our organisation's supply chain and other activities for which the operation is indirectly responsible, such as outsourced activities or manufacture and transport of raw materials, which could be through another company, uh, which possibly your organisation then uses? Okay. So some really big, meaty questions there to think about when you're thinking about your boundary. Now, both the Greenhouse Gas Protocol and ISO 14064 discussed above provide lots of helpful guidance um, when asking these questions. And it is pretty common these days to report on all directly controlled emissions and emissions from electricity in full. Emissions from indirect sources, such as your supply chain, are more complex to define and are usually treated as operational reporting items. However, where indirect sources contribute a lot to your emissions, it's important to include them. Um, a lot will depend on the purpose and the reason why you're putting your carbon footprint together. So whatever the approach that you take to your boundary and your emission scopes and sources, it's important to document that decision um, as transparently as she can. So the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, for example, talks about scope one, two and three. And a lot of companies get, get along swimmingly well, look at the scope one, look at the scope two. And then when they get to the scope three, this is where the problem begins, because it includes all those things that are outside of your direct control, such as your supply chain and your, your waste streams, etc. But it can be done. And there's lots of really positive examples out there in sustainability reporting, um, which can which can help you and you can refer to and benchmark your organisation to those. So in terms of the third step, collecting all that lovely emission data and calculating the footprint, what do we have to do for this? So the accuracy of your carbon footprint clearly relies heavily on collecting the correct data, okay? This is where data management comes in. Um, and if you enjoy collecting data and analysing data, working with carbon footprints could be for you. So accuracy and correct data and clean data, allowing you to collect information on your on-site fuel consumption, your own transport utilisation, emissions from any chemical reactions in your manufacturing process, land use, agricultural activities, electricity consumption, employee travel by air, rail and other vehicles such as hire cars, taxis and supplier emissions. Now for gas and electricity, consumption data is typically in megawatt hours, uh, megawatt hours or kilowatt hours. Data for other fuels can also be collected in other units such as um, megajoules, litres, kilowatt hours, so on and so on. 
And for transport emissions, it could be necessary to estimate the total fuel consumption based on the mileage of the vehicle um, and fuel economy assumptions. So some businesses still have a lot of company-owned vehicles, um, and so you have access to the mileage data. And if you link that back to your expenses claim form once a month, once a quarter, um, it's quite easy, really, um, for, for companies to get hold of mileage data. Now, other data, data on energy consumption, um, can be translated into the equivalent CO2 emissions data, again, using those emissions factors, uh, which is available, as stated before, through the DEFRA GHG Excel spreadsheet. Um, but for different emission sources, you might need to look at other uh, calculators, other conversion factors. Um, and there's a lot of academic research being done around emission factors and conversion factors. Um, and quite a few of the, of the British universities have uploaded carbon calculators and carbon toolkits now. Um, so a quick go on um, internet search engines and you'll be able to, to find that. Okay. So emissions of other greenhouse gases do need to be translated into equivalent emissions data into tons of uh, CO2 equivalent using those global warming um, potential factors issued by DEFRA and others which are freely available. So a key decision you're going to need to make about your carbon footprint um, is before you go off and collect the data, what level of accuracy is going to be required and also how much margin of error is acceptable to you if you're the environmental manager or the carbon manager on the site. So collecting that data, um, I will just say, can be a bit of a ball ache um, and it can be a sticking point for a lot of people to calculate an accurate carbon footprint. So working in your teams, um, getting senior management on board, potentially linking the carbon footprint to something like ISO 50001, which is the energy management standard, so that it's not just all on one person to get hold of this data every year, year on year, but that it's embedded into the sort of cultural fabric of the DNA of the business that this data is expected to be collected and it's expected to be reported on. Um, so it's not a big, scary, frightening thing um, for our listeners and that you can actually go off and, and collect this emissions data. So once you've got that and you've put those figures into um, the conversion factor carbon toolkits, you might decide to have your results verified by an independent independent third party. So verifying the results is clearly optional. There will be a cost to this um, and you can work with consultancies or accountancy firms. Um, and verification typically involves um, people like myself coming out, looking at uh, an analysis of your methodology, uh, verifying um, that the data collection techniques are accurate and true and that the calculation processes that you've used are also accurate and true. You haven't just made the figures up. Uh, they are meaningful and they link back to recognised conversion factors, etc., units of measure. And different levels of assurance um, or verification of your results are available. So the greater level of assurance or verification obviously do get more expensive and more onerous, but they can give you a greater confidence in your results of your carbon footprint. So if you've put the time in to, you know, go off, define the method, define the scope and boundaries, collect the data. It can be quite useful to have an independent person come along and verify that those results are accurate. 
Now, the final step in this process, step five, disclosing the footprint, again, is optional um, unless uh, you come under legislation um, such as streamlined energy and carbon reporting legislation where you have to say uh, in a corporate report, you know, what your current um, energy consumption is, what your current KPIs are and what your current carbon footprint is. And other countries may have legislation around the world which ensures companies over a certain size that consume a certain megajoules or kilowatts, if you like, of energy have to report mandatory on their carbon footprint. However, if for you it's optional, um, then normally this would be used in advertising materials, social media literature, CSR reports, sustainability reporting or other sort of promotional publicity. Um, And if that data is presented in a transparent fashion, um, giving full information about the process, what was followed, then you would have to state in that public declaration, you know, what was the methodology, what boundaries were set, which types of emissions were included or excluded, uh, what were your data collection techniques, including level of accuracy that was achieved and any assumptions or estimates that may have been required. So the level of verification of the results um, also provided by independent third parties. So if you do go out and get an independent audit body to look at your results, you would probably disclose that in your CSR report as well. So those five steps are effectively a robust way of from start to finish calculating your carbon footprint and give you enough information to be able to report on your carbon footprint in confidence Um, Now, here at Crowberry Consulting, we've been doing carbon footprints for the past 20 years. Um, And over that time period, you know, the tools and techniques that we use have pretty much stayed the same. So the greenhousegasprotocol.org using the DEFRA greenhouse gas uh, emissions Excel spreadsheet, um, which is, you know, approved, if you like, by the Global Reporting Initiative, the GRI and features in many, many sustainability reports all around the world. But fundamentally, it's the data. It's getting at the numbers, guys. So if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, how the hell am I going to get hold of me electricity bill, my mileage, my gas bills, my supplier's emissions, um, you may need a little bit of help with that. And we can certainly, as Crowbury Consulting, uh, work with you to ensure a collaborative and cooperative approach Um, not only with your own teams, but with your supply chain and suppliers emissions as well. Um, So increasingly, the legislation around this area is forcing companies to declare their carbon footprint um, and to make sure that year on year they do have, you know, sensible figures which are verified, uh, which, which are also meaningful, which go into their sustainability reporting. And as I said, ESG investors and socially responsible investment um, community for sustainable finance will look year on year to your carbon footprint. Um, and with technology now getting better and better um, and fuel sources, you know, moving to more, more cleaner fuels, it is possible year on year to grow your business and to reduce your greenhouse gas emissions and to reduce your overall carbon footprint. Um, it's not, you know, impossible to do. But having a framework such as the ISO 14064 and also a framework which we'll talk about in another podcast, the ISO 50001, which is the energy management standard, 
which sets out key policies, objectives, targets, plans and KPIs can really, really support you if you are the sustainability manager in a business that's challenged or asked. You've got to go off now and collect the data and produce a full carbon footprint. Um, So if you're worried about doing that or need a bit of help, please get in touch via www.crowberryconsulting.com. We're certainly here to help you um, in the next decade. Uh, A lot of businesses in the 2020s will have to start demonstrating net carbon zero, will have to start demonstrating that they've got good data and verified data for their scope one, two and three carbon footprint. And we can support you with all of those, as well as um, being able to evidence compliance as well to, in the United Kingdom, the Energy Savings Opportunity Scheme regulations and the Streamlined Energy Carbon Reporting uh, regulations, SECAR and ESOS. Now, some people listening to this um, may be thinking, oh, it sounds quite scary. Don't really know where to go. Please just get in touch. Um, we, we are here Uh, to help uh, businesses on their journey towards sustainability. And that includes calculating their carbon footprint and then making decisions around how they're going to set realistic targets to reduce that. But also if you're looking for offset strategies, uh, we can support you and direct you uh, in regards to that as well. Now, um, there's quite a lot of information that I've given you in this podcast and there's quite a few things that I haven't um, talked about. But one of the, 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 the things I can talk about is having generated and produced carbon footprints for 20 years, um, it is vital that your team who calculate the data are educated and trained. And again, we can help provide training on, on the carbon footprint process if that's what you need. Um, and it is, you know, we're all human beings and sometimes we make mistakes when we put data into an Excel spreadsheet. But if you put the decimal point in the wrong place when you're calculating a carbon footprint, that can be the difference between, you know, 100 tonnes of CO2 and a million tonnes of CO2 in some cases. So please be very careful with your emissions data um, and using, you know, tools like Excel to calculate your overall uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Take that time. If you can get um, an independent pair of eyes to look at it, um, either internally or externally, it's well worth it because it prevents you from making major mistakes, major errors, and then having that published. Can you imagine in a sustainability report? It would be pretty devastating. Um, So please take your time when you're collecting the data and when you're doing the verification. Um, And if you do need any help on calculating your carbon footprint to support your carbon management strategy towards net carbon zero, give us a call um, or bob onto our website at crowbreconsulting.com. So thanks very much, guys, for listening to the Sustainability Street podcast today. I hope you found it interesting and useful. Um, We've got many, many topics that we're covering in the Sustainability Street podcast. We're building our community of listeners. So if you have any comments for us or feedback on the Carbon Footprinting and Carbon Management podcast today, please feel free to leave a comment. And I look forward to beaming in again on the next podcast. So thanks very much. Take care, guys. Bye.